Well, it's Super Bowl time as the Super Bowl is now set and the Dolphins head coaching search is not over yet because Brian Flores, uh, the defensive play caller for the New England Patriots, goes on with those pats to the Super Bowl to take on the Rams. It was a crazy championship Sunday. Will Manso, Clay Furrow, Dookie Lang busy on uh, Broadway duty. He was watching uh, Hamilton, which, which as great as Hamilton is, and it's an amazing play, uh, I don't know if it could have been as, as as exciting and thrilling as the two games we saw today, but for different reasons. Now, Clay, I'll let you start as a Saints fan. Get out some of the frustration knowing the Saints got hosed. There's no doubt about it on Sunday. They they should have had a chance in the final seconds to kick a game-winning field goal. Instead, they lose the game in overtime. Did you ever do something that was so bad that your parents, your mom, or your dad just looked at you and said, I, I'm I'm not really mad. I'm just I'm just sad. I'm just disappointed. Oh, yeah. And and that's kind of that's kind of how I am today. You know, you if they had just lost in a normal way, mm-hmm. then okay, you can be angry about a a silly play or whatever. But when it when it's ripped from you and it is so blatantly obvious that even the head of NFL officiating calls Sean Payton and says, "Yeah, are bad." Yeah, you know, I, much for you. Th- there's just not a whole lot that that you can do. Yeah, there's nothing that you can say. Well, the crazy part about it is that this is the type of play, and we're going to go through the couple games and look ahead to the Super Bowl. We'll talk a little Dolphins in the middle of it, but uh, this is the kind of play that that changes the NFL in the sense that now the league has to look at something that, quite frankly, I think they probably should have looked at a while back, is you have at your disposal this technology and this ability to see things in super slow motion in a million different angles with all this technology of cameras and and replay, and yet something as obvious as that, you can just basically, like you just said, say, my bad, and move on. I mean, everyone knew, including, by the way, the Rams players afterwards, and I'm sure as it happened, the defensive player for the Rams who actually slammed into the receiver said afterwards, I, I just didn't want to get beat for a touchdown, which as a defender you're taught, just go hit the guy, tackle him, because the penalty in that case for you is better because it keeps things alive. A touchdown, the guy walks in, scores, and, and that's it. So... The league has to look at a way to change this, but I know for Saints fans, or and it means nothing right now. I do think that the way the Rams are reacting is making this thing even worse from a league's perspective, because you do have Nickel Roby Coleman saying afterward, basically, yeah, I committed pass interference on purpose, and oh by the way, I hit him really hard too, and hit him as hard as I could. Should have been, should have been either a helmet what to about helmet. Todd Gurley with his Instagram pick, and that was the other one I was going to point out. And you know, there, there's a certain point where look. Yeah, bad calls are made, but when it is that blatantly bad and then you have players on the team who benefited from it going on social media and making a joke out of it, it makes the NFL look even worse. So I I think if there were were any perfect set of circumstances outside of the Patriots uh, losing because of a call like mm-hmm. this uh, that would set something into motion for change, then then I, I, I can't think of it. I think this was a, probably what needed to happen in order for change to come, Always but ultimately it's way. not going to matter. It stinks when you're the team, though, when you're the players, right, and it's a shame I mean. because you get, you get, for lack of a better word, screwed out of going to a Super Bowl, and for some of those players, it might be the only chance they ever have to get to a, superstar, or a Super Bowl. By the way, our sponsor today is certainly Super Bowl-worthy, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines, the Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Now, I brought up the Saints first in that, obviously, because we needed to preface that. Anyone that listens to the pod and knows Clay follows on social media, Clay's a huge Saints fan. That's why I bring it up. But I think from a South Florida perspective, the fact that Tom Brady and the Patriots are going to another Super Bowl is one of those things where 
you just at the same time you kind of bow to their greatness and roll your eyes because it is a situation where man we're so tired of seeing this Patriots dominance but when you step back outside of the South Florida AFC East Dolphins bubble that we see it in you gotta just say it's amazing what they're doing a third straight Super Bowl appearance what is it the ninth now for Brady is I I, I think it's nine right yeah because he's won five and lost three right I, I don't even I've sounds lost, about right yeah I've it, lost but, track <laughs> put it this way when you're losing track of how many Super Bowls a player has been to that's, that's that great, great point. that tells you how great he is and how great that team is I really thought Clay that the Chiefs were going to win and and to Patrick Mahomes credit he was sensational in the second half Never got a chance to get the ball in overtime because the Pats won the coin flip, and that's the NFL rules. If you score a touchdown, it's over. There's no doubt in my mind the Chiefs would have scored. Patrick Mahomes, if they win the coin flip, goes right down that field and scores. We'll start from the Dolphins' perspective. Brian Flores' defense played outstanding football for first two, two and a half quarters of that game. And then you just had Patrick Mahomes make some plays, and then the momentum started to pick up. And I I think that's kind of what we expected because the personnel – Offense versus defense, KC offense versus New England defense, really favored Kansas City. So I don't knock Flores for his defense giving up a lot of points in the second half of that game because we knew it was going to come. But then you do have to pivot back to what Tom Brady did. And and look back a couple of weeks ago, and I, I know we're talking about Tom Brady, and he deserves a ton of credit, and he made some enormous throws on that overtime drive. I think there were three third and tens that he converted. But, man, what Bill Belichick does when he gets the bye week – ahead of the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah. It, he finds a way to remake his team. And I I, uh, I don't know if this is possible, but I don't know if Belichick gets enough credit for how he handles that bye week and gets these guys ready to roll. Because, well, frankly, that team that we saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. that I, I mean, Gronk looked like he was done, and he still looks like he's a step slow, but, but he, he made, made some a big, huge, huge plays. play in overtime, yeah. But that, that New England Patriots offense looked like they were really in trouble in that game against Pittsburgh. But then all of a sudden, they get the bye week after beating the Jets, and, and this is what you get. And this is what's incredible, and I think what Dolphin fans can look at as to the failures, and this is what makes Bill Belichick the best, and, and maybe the greatest ever, is... When you look at the Dolphins, what was the knock on Adam Gase? You know, he didn't use the most of his players. Man, he didn't know how to use Kenyon Drake and didn't use Kalen Balaj until the end of the season. And Frank Gore, you know, had a good year, but he couldn't mix and match. The Patriots in an AFC championship game had a guy go over 100 yards and Sonny Michelle, a rookie, by the way, but barely have any kind of role in the final drives because they had Rex Burkhead out there dominating the game, score the game when he touched on And, oh, by the way, early in the game when they got to a good start, they had James White, another running back, making big plays in the backfield. Belichick almost coached like three different games. Right. Let's start with the pounding of Michelle and the quick screens to, to, to White. Once they figure that out, we do different things with Brady and then work our way into Burkhead for the finish. This is all – this isn't within a season. This is within a game. And those are – when people talk about coaching and what makes a coach great – those things are what makes it make a coach great. Adam Gase, and this isn't to rip on Adam Gase, this is just any a lot of the coaches in the NFL that struggle with this. Adam Gase couldn't figure out an entire season how to use his three running backs. Bill Belichick used it to perfection in an AFC championship game with the Super Bowl on the line. And I don't know what you take from this. And again, we try to bring this back from you know the the wide angle view of it to back down here to South Florida. I, I don't know that what you take from this other than 
You need to have a great coach, and you need to have a great quarterback. And this is what we've been talking about for years and years and years. And combination is scary, though, to have maybe the greatest quarterback and the greatest coach of all time at the same time. Yeah, and Jared Goff made some nice plays today in New Orleans after things were really tough for him early on, and it, his guys weren't making plays. So, you know, I, I think this this formula, it doesn't change. And, and you know, not to, we're going to do so many Dolphins offseason podcasts, what they should do, what they mm-hmm. should not do. But I, this just kind of reaffirms to me, I, I really like Brian Flores a lot. I, I, I like everything I'm hearing about him, and uh, let's just assume he is the guy. You need to give him time, and you need to build the blueprint. You need to follow the blueprint. Go get your quarterback, no matter how long it takes, because if you have the right coach, you have the right quarterback, you're going to be in these games. Doesn't guarantee you're going to win them, but you're going to get to these games eventually. If you don't, you're not, and it's really just that simple in the NFL, especially with how the rules favor the offense in most circumstances. Yeah, and that's what you take from that is that, you know, at times, and this is the storyline of the last, really, I mean, I don't think it's an exaggeration, clearly to say five seasons. I think in the last five seasons, people nationally, locally, regionally, whatever it may be, have tried to bury the Patriots dynasty, tried to bury the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick dynamic, uh, whatever it may be, coordinators leaving in and out and the flux of movement and all that stuff. And yet here they are going to a third straight Super Bowl. They went and did something that you hate to paint the underdog picture because, I mean, it's Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. But I really, again, I thought the Chiefs were a superior team led by a quarterback who I think will have many opportunities to go to games like this. And Patrick Mahomes who threw 50 touchdowns. By the way, Patrick Mahomes was, again, sensational in the second half. And yet they find the way. I'm not sure how much closer we are to the end of this Patriots dynasty. The teams in the AFCs, we look at the Bills and the Jets with their young quarterbacks, probably are a couple of years away from making noise. The Dolphins are going through a rebuild. I mean, unless Tom Brady or Belichick wants to mysteriously retire just because they want to go out on top with one more this year, they probably got three or four years left of this. I don't think this is any more closer to ending than we all were guessing a few years ago. You are kind of leading me down the path that I wanted to go down because I just saw Mike Florio tweeted this about, hey, if Brady goes out there and kind of bookends this thing, beating the Rams the first time around, the greatest show on turf, and then beating the Rams again in this Super Bowl, does that kind of lead him to have that perfect ending and then walk away. I mean, I, that's I don't where we learned so. about Tom Brady. I, mean, I don't think so. I, I, I want to let you continue, but I, to yeah. answer your question, I don't think so. I just think Tom, he looks like a guy and, and preps for this game and even after the game that has a lot of football left. I mean, he's really enjoying this. Well, and, and go back a couple of weeks ago, and again, we mentioned how, how much the offense was struggling, but I think he really, the the draw, the the high of the competition, and, and, you know, hey, you heard him here, what, last week, where he goes, oh, well, I guess we all stink, and nobody thinks we're going to go out there and win any games. Well, I think he, he lives for that. I think that the remaking do. the team. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like remaking with Belichick this team in that bye week, getting them ready to go. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I, and – we don't want to sit here on a Miami sports podcast and talk about how great the Patriots are, but I, I do think if you want to build the blueprint, you want to the follow the blueprint, blueprint that was set, and it's easier said than done, but you just have to keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying until you find that quarterback, and it has to be a guy that it is evident relatively quickly. I mean, Jared Goff... It, who knows what he would have done if uh, Jeff Fisher were still his head coach. But, man, when he got with McVay, it was quick. You could yeah. tell that they were – Carson Wentz, man, last year, great. And 
it, Patrick Mahomes, it does not take long anymore to figure out if you have the guy. Russell Wilson, third-round pick, came in, and it was almost instant. Mm-hmm. You knew he was going to be the guy. So, you know, as far as the draft prospects go for the Dolphins now, I, you just have to make sure that you're doing your due diligence, and if you're in love with the quarterback, I don't care if you're in love with one mm-hmm. every year, if one goes out there and just it is just not quite there yet, keep drafting them. Keep drafting I don't care yeah. because oh, it's just not that difficult. Yeah, and look. Hey, sorry, sorry. It's that, not that, that complicated. complicated. It's yeah. difficult to find the right guy, but it's not that complicated. No, I get what you're saying. And look, uh, the Patriots, in a sense, lucked out. Credit to them for ty- finding Tom Brady, but – they really lucked out. I mean, they got him in the sixth round, and we right. know the storyline behind it. Most teams get him in a first round, a superstar player. And you look at Mahomes, the the Chiefs trading up to get him. You look at, obviously, Goff being one of the top picks in the draft. You see these players. It's it's the way it works. You go get those players. You need to identify and get them. The Dolphins do need to do that. But it's one of those things, Clay, where you look at it, and it's just frustrating because we've been having this conversation you and I have been having it for a few years, but in general, Dolphins fans have been having it for 15, 20 years, basically since Dan Marino retired. And mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I told you the story, I've been at the station 20 years, and my first year at the station was Dan Marino's last year. So you're talking 20 years that we've been having this. And not that you're going to find the next Dan Marino, but geez, the next Jared Goff would be nice. And you would think somewhere in the 20-year span, at a time where the Dolphins have been mediocre, a couple of times really bad, you think that they would hit that. That's the next step. Now, from a head coaching perspective, the next step is it's pretty clear it's going to be Brian Flores. We're going to have to wait a couple of weeks now. Has this run taught you anything of Brian Flores, or is this a case where it's hard to really gauge an assistant when you are working under Again, maybe the greatest coach of all time. You look back, and and so many of these guys that came from the Belichick coaching tree have failed when they became head coaches. I, 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 I what I don't like is okay. We we look at Belichick's team succeed, and then we automatically assume that guys that coach under him are going to go and duplicate the success. And and your Josh McDaniels, your your Charlie Weisses, your Romeo Cronells, it just didn't work out. But now I feel like we've swung the other way, where, okay, well, if you're an assistant under Belichick, you're only successful now because you're an assistant under Belichick. So I don't take anything out of what we've seen the last few weeks about Brian Flores. What I take out of it is the – the reports that we've heard about how detail-oriented, how prepared he was for the interview, how he had a vision for this team. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic about him. I think he's going to do a good job here, but I was optimistic about Adam Gase too. Yeah. But none of that has anything to do with what we've seen from Belichick's teams because it's just – Belichick is what makes Belichick's teams great. And, yeah. yes, you can learn a lot from him as far as how to prepare your team, how to run practices, the schedule, things mm-hmm. like that. But only Belichick is Belichick. Doesn't mean Brian Flores can't be an outstanding head coach in the next wave well, of yeah, the greatest you can't coach of all time. Expect him to be that guy, yeah. right? I could be the next greatest coach of all time, but it has nothing to do with the fact that he worked under Belichick because only Belichick is Belichick. Our sponsor today, once again, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for sixty years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. And to your point on floors, here's the deal with floors, and this is what, I, what I've learned from this process, I guess you could say, is Stephen Ross has not shown the ability to be patient. And while it's clear, look, the move with Tony Sperano, the move with Joe Philbin, the move with Adam Gase, all in that three, four-year window, right? We understand that we understand why the moves were made and we understand why 
they probably had enough time to see what they are. But I, I think with a guy like Brian, Brian Flores, given that it's a rebuild, given that he is coming from that Belichick tree where at least he has a good understanding on structure and what a structure could be. Now, the way he coaches a team and the X's and O's and the preparation as far as in the film room and all that stuff, that's that's on on him. But the preparation, the understanding of what it takes to win, those are things you can learn from being around someone that's great. It's no different than when we look at our mentors in life, whatever business that, you know, and us being in TV, other, there may be people who are doctors and lawyers and teachers, that you learn from people that did that above you and you use that to be successful and good at what you do. There's no doubt he could use that. What I'm saying, though, is there's going to have to be a level of patience because the fact that Dolphins are rebuilding I think it's good to see. Let's see what this guy has. Let's really give him a chance. Let's let him fail. It's okay to fail. You're going to fail given a rebuild. Let's see how players and he rebounds from that. It's in the NFL though. You don't see it a lot. Look what happened in Arizona. Steve Wilkes got fired in a year. Mm-hmm. They go and get a college coach who just got fired. The NFL is a very impatient league. Stephen Ross is a very impatient man. Who, oh, by the way, is not getting any younger. There's no easy answer. But I really do hope the Dolphins give Brian Flores a fair shot. Yeah, and, and I think the positive that's come out of all of this is that they came into this thing, this interview process, knowing that's what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And so if you sit there across from a head coaching candidate and you express that and you guys are all on the same page and, and assuming it is Brian Flores, he comes in and he takes the job with that understanding, meaning he knows that there is going to be Uh, a grace period. There is going to be an expectation that they're not going to be very good, but you're building a program, you're building a franchise, you're building a foundation. It would look really, really bad to be impatient in that respect. And I don't know what went on with Mm -hmm. Arizona and Steve Wilkes. I know from the outside, it looks really, really bad because you hire a guy and you fire him within a year just because you want to bring in Cliff Kingsbury. But I, I have faith here that because Stephen Ross stood up there and and because, frankly, these leaks that have come out have not been disputed by the Dolphins about tanking, and I, I, I have faith that they're going to be patient. They're going to understand that he wants a quarterback. They want a quarterback. They see what yeah. we see. They want their Tom Brady, and that doesn't guarantee anything, but it means they're going to do what it takes to get him. So I think that's what, if I'm going to take anything out of this process and the way it's all gone down, it's it whenever Brian Flores does walk through that door, which now it appears is going to be the Monday after the Super Bowl or Tuesday, he's going to come in with the understanding that, look, we don't know if you're going to build the New England Patriots down here, but we're going to give you a chance to put into place your plan, even if that means one rough year, especially if there's a quarterback at the end of that rainbow. You say quarterback, and I want to, I want to, Turn the pod to that because, look, you said, as you mentioned a short time ago, we're going to talk plenty about Dolphins offseason moves, changes the draft, what may happen because we still have a couple of months till the draft. You got all February, all March, and late April, actually almost three months until the draft, basically. Uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a subject that has come up a lot on talk shows, on pods, on social media, nationally, locally. I think there isn't a, a television or radio analyst person host that – hasn't had this conversation about their team. So many teams are looking for quarterbacks, and I think everyone's wondering about Kyler Murray. Clay, I want to get your initial thoughts on Kyler Murray being an NFL quarterback. A, is he too small? B, should the Dolphins look at him? My initial thought is he's Doug Flutie. 
he's Doug Flutie 2.0 because I hear a lot of the Russell Wilson, the Drew Brees of no, it's it's Doug Flutie. Now, he's more dynamic than Flutie was. He's quicker. He's got a stronger arm. And Flutie was really, really good. And he had a great knack like Kyler Murray does. But what you have to ask yourself is, do I want to turn over the keys to the franchise yeah. to Doug Flutie? The rules have changed a bit to where I think Flutie could have been even better in today's NFL, and that would have been good to see. Uh, but my concern, and we were there on the field at the at the Orange Bowl, and man, when he went up against those Alabama defensive linemen that are going to be playing in the NFL on Sundays, he just looked really, really small. And it looked like, now, maybe he adjusts. Uh, this is the thing, and, and Dookie Lang mentioned this to me this week, and, and you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this, but I think it's a fascinating idea. Okay. We talk about how you're probably going to know really quickly with these quarterbacks now. Do you draft Kyler Murray if he's there, but you turn over the keys and you say, go get it. But if he goes out there and he struggles big time, then you almost inadvertently tank like because re-tank. he struggles. You're yeah, re-tank. you retake. But, but you give him a shot. Fill and then the if he comes and in, then take the fuel off. If he goes out there and he plays really, really well, balls out, and he turns out to be the guy that – if he balls out and he turns out to be the guy that you are envisioning your quarterback, to, then, hey, best case for everybody. But if he plays really, really bad – Here's the problem. You know they're going to be middle of the road, and they're not going to be able to, to draft somebody yeah, next I, Well, that's year. look, you would think that if they draft a young quarterback, whether it's Kyler Murray or they trade up and try to get Dwayne Haskins or, or get uh, you know Daniel Jones, one of these guys that, that could be in that range, uh, you know that they're still going to be a bad team because those quarterbacks are either going to sit and watch a veteran play for a year or they're going to get thrown in the fire and have to play. My take on Kyler Murray is this. He's a playmaker. Uh, he's got a strong arm. He's faster than just about everyone on the field. I read a report the other day. Uh, from one of the very well-respected uh, draft sites saying that their expectation was that the fastest guy to run a 40 in these com- and the combines and all these personal work and so things is going to be Kyler Murray. Wow. And that, I mean, that's incredible. That's I didn't say the fastest quarterback position. Any player is going to be Kyler Murray. So when you have a guy with that kind of speed, when you have a guy with that kind of arm that can just fling it 60 yards down the field with a flick of the wrist while he's moving, it's intriguing. What Lamar Jackson did in Baltimore, the way they use him is intriguing. There was a difference, though, obviously, with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's not 5'10", you know, or maybe possibly under 5'10", Kyler Murray. Uh, that is the problem with Murray, and that is going to be the question. But I am intrigued, and I do think, and we've been asked a lot, I do think the Dolphins need to take a serious look at him. I do think someone will fall in love with him. I think someone will fall in love with the things we just discussed with that speed, with that arm, and say, man, we got to get this kid. It's a new NFL. It's a wild, wild west running around in the pocket because the knock is he's too short so he can't see over the line, right? Well, I mean, the the response to that is, well, you're not going to put him drop back center pocket passer. You're going to get him moving around and make throws on the run and, and, and open up spaces and lanes to throw with his legs to find time and to use that bazooka of an arm he has or when he doesn't have time to run around and, and make plays with his legs. It's fascinating. I, I, I do think this... Remember, Stephen Stephen Ross wanted Lamar Jackson last year, mm-hmm. and that makes me think that a guy like Colin Murray would be a good guy to start with from an excitement level and from that level of where you can rebrand the franchise with a different face, different look. Be a fascinating guy for this team. Here's what I love with what the Dolphins are doing. Everybody they're hiring right now, uh, and I'm not talking about the assistants on uh, Brian Flores' staff, but Flores himself, obviously Chris Greer. These guys have scouting in their background. I am going to trust their talent evaluation. Yep, sure. I, I honestly believe, I believe that was Adam Gase's biggest flaw here. I think Adam Gase, the 
personnel evaluator, I'm not going to call him a GM, but the, the personnel evaluator failed Adam Gase, the head coach. Mm-hmm. And I think that he sometimes looked too much at the good in players. And that, that's good once you've got him as a coach. But that's not what you need to do when you're a talent evaluator. You've got to figure out how to get the more talented guys there. Figure out how to fill the gaps there, <laughs> those guys that aren't doing the things well. So I think when you've got guys now in place that have scouting in their background, they know how to see the positives, but they also know how to see the negatives. So if they come in and they say, Kyler Murray, I'm going to defer to them. We can sit here and we can talk as much as we Bird's eye view stuff, yeah, you need a quarterback. You need a head coach that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I can't sit here and tell you. I, I know who I like. I know I love Dwayne Haskins. I know Kyler Murray's really dynamic, but I'm scared about his size. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done this my entire life. I haven't gone and personally evaluated all that. That's what I like about what the setup is right now with this team. And so I am willing to defer to them Absolutely. on that. Absolutely. And it's what kind of drove me nuts last year when we heard after the first night of the draft when uh, they got up there and they said, yeah, well, we looked into drafting a quarterback, but eh, it just cost too much to trade up. If you're telling me that you evaluate a quarterback and you like them enough, go that they get him. Be your franchise. Look what the Rams, the Rams gave up the, the Rams yes. and these teams to, to get a Jared Eagles. Goff, what yes. the Chiefs to get Mahomes, Chiefs. Eagles. These teams identify a player. They do whatever they can to get that player, and they worry about the the situation later. These guys don't pan out. Yeah, we're criticizing and we're sitting here, but you can't worry about what guys like us say or what fans say about decisions that end up being against you. you got to go out and try to change your franchise. Let's use your Giants as an example here of, of what I think, and even though you may disagree, what I think was actually the right move. You say, I don't like any of these quarterbacks enough to take them at number two. So you take... Saquon Barkley. Now, that's you telling me and and with your actions proving that you don't believe in any of these quarterbacks enough. Which they said they didn't. Right. And look, if you're telling me that you don't like what you saw in in Sam Darnold, I disagree. I I like what I see. I would have taken him, yeah. But but I don't watch hours and hours and hours of film. I don't go personally evaluate him. So I'm okay with that. But the Dolphins saying that they looked into trading up, but it would have cost them too much. They didn't want to be ridiculous. That's my problem. It's a philosophical problem. And again, this is last year's Dolphins. So I'm hoping that whatever they they ultimately decide as far as the quarterback situation goes, they spare no expense Mm -hmm. when it comes to draft capital. Go get your guy. If you think Dwayne Haskins is your future, do everything you can to get Dwayne Haskins. And look, there's going to be other teams likely that will do the same. And you may get in the process outbid, so to speak. Maybe other teams have more draft capital want to give up more but you gotta at least try you can't just look at it and say eh, it's gonna take too much to get the guy that could be our leader for the next decade plus all right let's uh let's close by talking super bowl again uh because i don't know next week what we'll end up talking depending on what happens obviously in south florida sports so i want to get the super bowl out of the way it, look it's the patriots and the rams uh do you bet against tom brady no no now belichick no. against a 33 34 year old head coach you know, McVay, as impressive as he is, first time at this, I mean, you got to think the Pats. And I know the Rams are a favorite. Uh, initial line was the Rams' favorite by a point, point and a half, I think. But I don't know how you bet against the Patriots. Nope. Nope. And, yeah. and it's, look, it's that extra bye week once again. It's why they've been so successful in these games. And I do think that the, the talent difference is not so great. I, and the Patriots definitely need to, you know, if, they, if Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are going to come back, they need to find another receiver because mm-hmm. Josh Gordon didn't work out. But – I don't think the talent difference is so great that the Belichick 
Brian Flores, Josh McDaniel, you're not going to be able to overcome that. You just said it. They have Belichick. They have Tom Brady. They have the experience. I like the Patriots in that game as much as I know Dolphins hate to hear that. All right, so we wait on Brian Flores. We've got our Super Bowl set, and uh, that is your Miami Sports Pod for this week. We'll be chatting next week. We'll see what goes on this week in South Florida, but as we know, it will not be the introduction to Brian Flores as new head coach. He's a little busy getting the Patriots defense ready for the Super Bowl.